Welcome to the Spurs Up Show, home of the best Gamecocks content on the internet. The following is presented to you by our friends over at MyBookie. Football is back, and so is winning season at MyBookie. NFL, college football, and a brand new cash-out system give you options to bet and win all season long. First two legs of your parlay hit, cash out early and use the funds on another bet, or let it ride for the chance at a bigger payday. Use early cash outs as a tool to stay in control of the action at MyBookie. To get started, go to MyBookie.ag now and register an account for free. When you're ready to make your first deposit, just use promo code TSUS to grab a welcome bonus on the house. That's promo code TSUS to claim your deposit bonus and, for a limited time, a free chip to use in the MyBookie Casino. You can bet on anything, anytime, anywhere, only with MyBookie. We're also brought to you by our friends over at Twisted Tea. Twisted Tea, the drink that fuels fun and celebrates your love for college football. Keep it twisted. We're also brought to you by our friends over at Prize Picks. Go download the Prize Picks app or go to prizepicks.com. And when you do, use the promo code TSUS to receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks is the simplest fantasy game on the market focused around prop total entries. You pick two to six players and you can win up to 10 times on any entry. Price Picks has no sharks, optimizers, or mass multi-entry. It's literally just you against the projection. They also allow mixed sport entry. So, for example, you can take the over on LeBron, parlay with the under on Mahomes. They've got college sports, pro sports, literally anything and everything you can think of. They have got it over at Prize picks. They also have a slick, easy to use mobile app, both on the App Store and Google Play. They're rated 4.8 stars in the App Store with rave reviews. So many fans and listeners of the Spurs Up show have made tons of money with our friends at Prize Picks, and you should as well. So, again, go download the Prize Picks app or go to prizepicks.com. And when you do, use that promo code TS. U.S. to receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. Be sure to check them out and tell them that Chris from the Spurs Up Show sent you. Let's get it! We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide 
that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Chris Dory of the SEC Network. He now joins the show. Chris, what's going on, my friend? Great to chat with you once again. How are you? Yeah, good to be back with you, Chris. And, uh, man, exciting week here with my alma mater taking on y'all's uh, Gamecocks. So uh, we'll, we'll try not to get nasty here. But I, I think it's a rivalry that's it's fun, man, and, and uh, looking forward to seeing if Florida can go on the road and play with a little bit more composure than they have in the first two trips. For sure, Chris. It's a big week for us all, and we'll definitely get to that later in the show. But first, I want to jump to this. Week six, and it's crazy, Chris, to think we are officially at the halfway point of the 2023 college football regular season, which is just crazy how it flies by. But I want to start with this, the Alabama and Texas A&M game that took place in week six, and we'll dive into all of the week six action. But ironically enough, Chris, I'm scrolling social media just before I jump on this conversation with you, and what do I see Barstool Alabama and some others having some fun with you at your expense because you took <laughs> Texas A&M, as did I, by the way. I picked the Aggies in this game, thought at Kyle Field and College Station they'd get the job done. Either way, though, Bama with the big 26-20 to victory over Texas A&M. And obviously, Alabama fans, they kept receipts of everyone saying maybe the dynasty was dead or that Texas A&M was going to win this football game. So, just talk about that game. What did you see from Alabama? Obviously, it was a huge game through the air for Jalen Miller. And I feel like we're all sitting here on this Monday saying, shame on me for doubting Nick Saban and the Crimson Tide once again. Yeah, it's a good point. And, and certainly, they do not let you forget that you pick against them. I don't know <laughs> a, a more sensitive fan base that doesn't like being picked, picked against more than, than Alabama does. But, you know, I, I had doubts, Chris. I had doubt uh, uh, heading into the season about the quarterback position like we all did. I had doubts about their offensive line. I had doubts about their receivers. And all three of those position groups were part of the reason why they won the game on, on Saturday. Uh, I thought they were going to have a, a tough time against Texas A&M's front seven, which they did in the first half. But the offensive line did allow them to take some, take some shots, had some time to stand in there and, and make some throws down the field. Milrow was harassed a lot, particularly in that first half. But give him a lot of credit for standing in there and throwing the football 33 times in that game. And Jermaine Burton, his best game as an Alabama Crimson Tide wide receiver, I thought he single-handedly ate up that Texas A&M secondary. So I'm really impressed with that side of the ball. That was more of a surprise to me than I think I expected. But uh, what was not a surprise was the defense. And and this defense continues to get better and better every single week. I love the way the pass rush uh, is kind of married with the the secondary. Uh, The the secondary also has done a nice job in run support. Malachi Moore has been really good there at Terrion Arnold. Kool-Aid McKinstry. So this looks like one of the best units in the in the country when it comes to uh, the defensive side of the ball. And I just, uh, like you said, every time we want to throw some dirt on that grade, they remind us that they're not quite dead yet. Chris, what does this do or where does this put Texas A&M in your mind and the whole Jimbo Fisher thing? Because I, I feel like that game on Saturday was one 
Like, that's why Jimbo was hired to win a game like that. And if, you know, we talked about a couple of weeks ago for Ole Miss, if not now, then when. I mean, this felt like a great opportunity to take advantage yeah. of a down, quote-unquote, down Alabama team. Maybe the dynasty or what have you is is slipping. What do you think this means for Jimbo Fisher? I mean, I have to think the pressure now with two losses, I mean, the pressure is is immense. Obviously, most folks in the preseason, I thought, were saying he can't go worse than 9-3 and three or certainly 8-4 and four and feel any sort of security. Like, wh- where do you sit right now with Jimbo and the Aggies? Yeah, I, I think um, it shows kind of what the ceiling is for the program as it is right now. I mean, they, they have an Alabama Crimson Tide problem, and they, they can't get over that hurdle. And if you can't get over that hurdle, you're not going to get a chance to play in the SEC championship game. And it only gets more difficult next year with Texas and Oklahoma coming to the conference. So, you know, I, I did agree with you that this was kind of the best chance that they had with Alabama having some susceptibility, seemingly, and, and having that game in College Station. Uh, but they let, they let a perfect opportunity to get away and um, you go back to a couple different points uh, the offensive line struggled blocking Alabama particularly in the second half with four sacks um, you know it felt like everything was hard everything was difficult for them in moving the ball they hit a couple explosive plays but I thought the game changed early on when, when you weren't able to take advantage of the red zone opportunities you get down there twice in the first quarter you only come away with three points and that those two trips on the day you only score 13 points on four red zone trips you have to be able to, to score when you have those opportunities against Alabama, and you have to be able to hit some big plays, and they just didn't have enough of those to be able to overcome how good that uh, that Alabama defense was, particularly in the second half. Chris, to Columbia, Missouri, LSU rattles off 22 fourth-quarter points to outlast Mizzou 49-39. to This one was a fun ball game, man. I mean, just back and forth, tons of offense. If you like offense – this was the game for you. Jaden Daniels throwing for 259, three touchdowns. Brady Cook threw for 411, two touchdowns, two interceptions. And also, Daniels running for 130 yards. Logan Diggs getting the LSU running game, really going 24 carries for 134. Uh, you know, Cody Schrader having some success on the ground for Mizzou. I mean, it was a lot of offensive fireworks. Luther Burden, ho-hum, 11 catches, 149. I think he's becoming probably one of your favorite players, Chris, yeah. just watching an explosive wide receiver do work on a on a weekly basis, truly. Mm-hmm. Um, but LSU wins the football game. I, I thought a really just gritty and gutsy win on the road against a red-hot Mizzou team. Yeah, a, a must-have win for LSU, too. And it looked like it was, it was going to go the other way. I mean, they're down 22-7 to early in the first half. Uh, they get the interception. You mentioned Brady Cook's numbers. Uh, threw the ball really well, except for two passes, and it cost them. Those two passes, 14 points uh, that LSU was able to get off of those two turnovers after Brady Cook had thrown 365 passes without an interception. So ironically, you know, that's one of the big reasons why it cost them the game. And honestly, we're talking about defense in a game that 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 was mostly about the offenses. I thought LSU kind of figured some things out in the second half defensively. Uh, eight possessions for Missouri, only two touchdowns allowed. Uh, so I, I thought that they got better on that side of the ball. But we can't say enough about Jaden Daniels. He's just been fantastic this season. Every week I come on here and tell you I think he should be in the Heisman Trophy talk. I think those guys are the, 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 the guys that, that play the best when the, the chips are down in the most important parts of the game. He throws for 89 yards and a touchdown in the fourth quarter, runs for another 65 yards, including – Two big third down runs that he had. Third and nine, he runs for 14 yards. Third and three, runs for the 35-yard touchdown. So I thought that uh, he was fantastic at the most crucial point in time. 
But I think you're you're learning about teams that have been there before. Alabama, when when they need it, they're able to draw on that experience. LSU, when they needed it, were able to draw on that experience. And you mentioned the 22 fourth quarter points. Uh, I think Drink kind of alluded to it earlier in the season that they were uh, not closing ball games out. And when you're a team that is trying to ascend to a, a level you haven't been before, sometimes you don't know how to win those close games when you need to. And I, I think that's what showed there the lack of experience uh, versus LSU having experience in those late game situations. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Chris, it's kind of funny how we spend so much time over the offseason, beginning of the season, talking about, you know, Alabama's decline, if you will, and maybe Texas A&M, maybe Ole Miss, maybe Arkansas. And it it just feels like, Chris, more and more like it looks like it's going to come down to the LSU-Alabama game just like we all thought it would. Like, it's it's just all paths are kind of leading to that game in Tuscaloosa, it seems. Uh, It's just kind of funny how things work themselves out. Speaking of working themselves out to Athens, Georgia, Chris, where, you know, I had a feeling that the dogs were going to remind everyone just how good they were and that, you know, quiet some of that chatter that Georgia's not the best team in college football. And maybe you can still have the argument when you factor in Ohio State and Michigan. But again, Georgia reminded folks that they are still Georgia, still kings of the mountain, a 51 to 13 drubbing of. You know, Chris, I'd still say a solid Kentucky team. I think people want to throw shade on Kentucky today and say they're no good. And I understand the schedule was soft early, but I still think that's a very capable Kentucky team. And, I mean, they dismantled them. And Carson Beck continues to play well, 389 yards through the air. They totally shut down Ray Davis. Uh, Your thoughts on the back-to-back national champions and, and what you thought of their performance on Saturday night? Yeah, I think you're right. And I think it took... Uh, somebody getting their attention before they really came out with a focused effort. And a lot of people were talking about Kentucky being, you know, a team that could challenge in the, in the East. Um, the problem is it's a bad matchup for Kentucky. It, it, you're, you're trying to out Georgia, Georgia, and you're not going to be the more physical team than what Georgia is. Kirby will never let that happen. Uh, the problem for Kentucky is they don't have the complement of the pass game. And, and, that's one of the biggest head scratchers of the season so far is like you bring in Devin Leary, who's had a ton of success at North Carolina state, Liam Cohen's back. You got this trio of receivers that's amongst the best that you've ever had in Kentucky. 
and yet you can't get the passing game going. Only 10 completions of 26 uh, attempts, um, very limited success there. So it, it, without hitting big plays, you have to hit big plays in the passing game to be able to beat Alabama, to be able to beat Georgia, and uh, Kentucky just didn't have enough of that. The surprising part to me was how their defense was filleted, though. I really believed in this, this, uh, this defense for Kentucky. And to see Carson Beck come out and just uh, systematically dissect them, the first six drives of the game ended in, in points for the dogs. And for everybody out there complaining about the slow starts, they certainly answered that question. Chris, let's switch things up a bit and go to Oxford, Mississippi. And, and, you know, I don't know if I have a soft spot for Arkansas or what. I I expected Ole Miss to win this football game, but I'm I'm really concerned about Sam Pittman and and his future in Fayetteville. And I know he's an Arkansas guy, and so, you know, maybe there's nothing to worry about. But this Dan Enos offense thing, it's it's not working. I mean, you look at the numbers. Rocket Sanders, eight carries for 15 yards, 1.9 yards per carry. Uh, and it gets no easier for them, right? Like the back half of the schedule softens up, but they've got Alabama this week. Like, do, do you see? I mean, is there light at the end of the tunnel for Arkansas that doesn't include getting rid of Sam Pittman? I hope they don't, because I'm I'm like you. I like Coach Pittman a lot. I think he's a great fit there. I think he's a victim of his own success to some degree. I think that that program was in shambles when he took it over from Chad Morris, and I think they had too much success too soon to where the bar got unrealistically set high. Um, right now, their biggest issue is offensive line. And that's ironic to say, given Sam Pittman's background as an offensive line coach his entire career. Uh, but they can't get the, the, the passing game going because they can't pr- uh, protect KJ. They can't get the run game going as all, as you alluded to, with, with uh, Rockets' numbers this year. Uh, just really frustrating to watch. Now, I, I thought they came out with great effort. And they certainly have improved defensively where they were really bad against the pass last year. Uh, they did a nice job of, of limiting uh, Ole Miss's success. They didn't have the big explosive plays that they did against LSU last week. But uh, in the fourth quarter, when Ole Miss needed it, they started putting it together, uh, rushed for over 100 yards in that quarter alone, four of six on third down, so started to, to have some success converting where they hadn't. They were 0 of 8 in the first three quarters. So uh, Ole Miss pulled it out when they needed to, and I think, you know, in this league, it's it's tough to win. So especially coming off a big victory like they had last week, survive and advance is the uh, important part uh, when you're playing this conference schedule that you're in the midst of right now. The Spurs Up show is brought to you by our friends over at Twisted Tea. Are you ready to elevate your college football game day experience? Check out Twisted Tea, your go-to game day beverage for college football fans. Twisted Tea is unlike any hard beverage you've had before. It's made with real brewed tea and packs a flavorful punch with 5% alcohol and no carbonation, delivering the perfect balance of taste and refreshment that goes down smooth for every game day occasion. No need to settle for the usual. Twisted Tea turns up any occasion, especially when you're cheering for your favorite team. Whether you're tailgating in the stadium parking lot, watching at a bar, or hosting friends at home, Twisted Tea is there to elevate the game day experience. It perfectly complements your love for college football and your passion for creating unforgettable moments. So let's toast to unforgettable game day experiences. Twisted Tea, the drink that fuels fun and celebrates your love for college football. Keep it twisted. The Spurs Up Show is also brought to you by our friends over at Game Time. Download the GameTime app 
or head over to GameTime.co and use the promo code SPURSUP for $20 off your first purchase. Again, that's promo code SPURSUP, S-P or S-U-P, for $20 off your first purchase. GameTime is the best ticket buying app available that removes all the stress of the ticket buying process. They have things like images of your seat before you buy, so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. Guys, you can buy your tickets in a matter of seconds. Two taps, and you're set. And also, tickets, they're sent directly to your phone. So no more scrambling, searching through your email, trying to find the tickets you just bought. Whether it be the Gamecocks, a concert, a comedy club event, you name it, whatever the event is, Buying tickets shouldn't be stressful, and Game Time is the way to go. Again, that's our friends at Game Time. Go download the Game Time app or go to GameTime.co. And when you do, create an account and use promo code SPURSUP. That's S-P or S-U-P for $20 off your first purchase. Download Game Time today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. Now, Chris, we moved to Gainesville, and of course, this will segue us into the Week 7 slate because Florida, ho-hum, able to get a big victory over the Vanderbilt Commodores, 38-14. to A pretty dominating performance. You look at the scoreboard from start to finish. Um, the Florida rushing attack, Montreal Johnson was fantastic, 18 for 135, 7.5 yards per carry in uh, a touchdown. Also, Webb at the running back position, 4 for 70. Uh, he was really good. Ricky Pearsall getting involved. Graham Mertz was efficient, 30 of 36. 254, three touchdowns, no interceptions, the big part. Gators did allow 276 through the air. But all in all, I would say the the type of confidence-building performance you want coming into Williams-Brice Stadium for this game against the Gamecocks. By the way, I do want to point out because I watched, Chris, the highlights this morning and Boardingham, the tight end, this dude was all over the place. Seven yeah. catches for 99 yards. Two touchdowns as well. And again, Ricky Pearsall had a solid day. So Florida gets the W. What did you like that you saw? And then looking ahead of this game against South Carolina, this is a huge game, I think, for both sides. Um, I, I called it the most important game of South Carolina's 2023 season over the summer in regards to reaching their goals, a.k.a. getting to seven or maybe even eight wins. And then for Florida, I feel like for ba Billy Napier and company, it's about they can put together a complete performance on the road for whatever yeah. reason away from the swamp. They just, they have not been able to, and it's, it's tough to win on the road, but they've had virtually no success. Talk about Florida's win over Vandy briefly. And then how you think that carries over? Does that carry any big mo momentum into this game at Williams Bryce stadium this weekend? Yeah. You mentioned Chris that it's hard to win in the sec. It's hard to, to win on the road. It's even harder when you're, you're shooting yourself in the foot the way that Florida has when they've gone on the road. So I think it's important that they play cleanly like they did against Vanderbilt on Saturday uh, they bounced back after getting dominated on the lines of scrimmage by Kentucky, by dominating by Vanderbilt. They rushed for over 250 yards as a team, uh, limited Vanderbilt to under 60 yards rushing. So this was a, a solid defensive performance. Uh, really continue to be impressed with Austin Armstrong and the job that he's done. Um, you go back and look at that Kentucky game. He had them in some really good calls, uh, but the execution wasn't there. So nice to see them be able to play uh, with a little bit more attention to detail. Hopefully for Florida fans, they can go on the road and have a little bit better performance than they did in Lexington or in Salt Lake City in the opener. But uh, I think it was an important one to get their confidence back and an important one to get some positive momentum. Um, I do think that they uh, built up a, a little bit of uh, momentum heading to, to Columbia. But my lasting memory is that debacle there that uh, two years ago that, that led to Dan Mullins firing. 
Um, so hopefully Florida uh, can, can play better in that one. But, you know, I think it's an interesting time for them uh, catching South Carolina coming off a bye week where, you know, you get a chance to catch your breath and, and Florida hasn't quite had the ability to do that yet. Chris, I know Graham Mertz is no Joe Milton, but the game plan defensively, and I think the matchup of this ball game is very similar actually to that Tennessee game where, you know, Chris, I, I think the Gamecocks have got to find a way to slow down that Gator rushing attack and put this ball game on Graham Mertz. Outside of that, what are the major matchups you're looking for? I mean, obviously you have to account for Spencer Rattler, Xavier Leggett. They've got their own issues, though. I mean, Carolina fans right now, Chris, are scratching their heads wondering what what version of this Gamecocks football team are they going to get? I think the question right now is, okay, this is a two and three team, but three losses to ranked opponents. So who is this team really, right? Is this going to be the punching bag in the SEC East this year? Or is there hope that the Gamecocks can turn it on second half of the season? But when you look at this game, I mean, what are the most intriguing matchups that stand out to you on both sides of the football? Yeah, I agree with you in terms of the importance of of the positioning in the SEC East for both of these teams, kind of in the middle of bunched up right now. Um, I I think that one of the matchups that I'm most intrigued by is Florida's run defense against South Carolina. Uh, seem to have found something here recently with their run game. But um, outside of the, the, the loss to Kentucky, Florida has been really good against the run. So I think that's an interesting dynamic. And, and Florida, um, I, I, they need to find a way to stretch the field a little bit more with their passing game. Graham Mertz is throwing for 80% completion percentage right now, but they're not really throwing the ball downfield as much as I'd like to see. So um, we did see Mississippi State take advantage of, of South Carolina's secondary uh, Tennessee also had some success throwing the football against them. So I'd like to see if, if Florida can complement the uh, the run uh, with a little bit of the downfield vertical passing game. Now, Chris, I don't want you to be coy here. Favorite memory playing against the Gamecocks? I know you had some good ones. Yeah, I would say, um, you know, playing up there in 95, it, it was an interesting. We had a night game. Uh, Steve Tannehill was the uh, quarterback for the Gamecocks back then. And, um, we were we were in the hotel room and a massive storm came through, knocked out the the power in the hotel, uh, and then it got freezing cold, man. And so that night, uh, it was one of the coldest games that I can remember in my college career. Uh, it, it was kind of windy as well. Um, I think Coach Berger was a little worried about our ability to throw, and uh, we went up and down the field. I, I caught a a touchdown in the back of the end zone right before halftime. Went up. Danny and I used to on Fridays. Uh, we'd throw the ball in the back of the end zone, kind of running the, the end line there and throwing it up high. And we actually got a chance to execute it in that game, came down with one foot in the end zone. So it was one of my favorite catches as a, as a Gator and, and happened in one of my favorite environments there in Williams Price. Good memories for you. Not so many good memories when the Gamecocks took on Steve Spurrier in the 90s. That is for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. Looking, at, looking at this week seven slate, Chris, the big one that jumps out, we just talked about South kind of Florida, but – Tennessee hosting Texas A&M in that same time slot, a 3.30 kickoff on CBS. Big game for both sides, goes without saying, but for Texas A&M going on the road, man, I, you know, two losses and that seat is warm. Three losses and things are really going to start to heat up. And on the Tennessee side, they come off the bye week looking to get things rolling. Your, your thoughts on this match? I mean, I think yeah. this is going to be one of the more fun games of the weekend in the college football slate to watch. Yeah, really excited about this game uh, because of the dynamics on the lines of scrimmage. You know, Florida was able to kind of own the line of scrimmage against Tennessee. This is going to be a big challenge for Tennessee's run game, one of the best teams in the conference when it comes to running the football. 
up against the front seven that is really uh, stout for Texas A&M. They, they got some dudes up front and watching Walter Nolan and uh, Shamar Stewart. Uh, uh, you look at what they've been able to do with um, penetration in the run game. Like, so this is, this is a game that, um, you know, I, I think um, if I had to pick right now, probably would lean towards Texas A&M. But what, what kind of mood are they in? How, how, how are they feeling after that disappointing loss? Are they able to turn the page and, and bounce back here? But just from the physical standpoint, I, I don't know if, if Tennessee is going to be able to block them up front. Hmm. To the rest of the slate, we go Kentucky, Mizzou, LSU, Auburn. You got Bama, Arkansas as well. Chris, what jumps out from, you though, from those games? I mean, my attention directly goes to that matchup of SEC East foes in UK and Missouri. I think we're going to learn a lot about each of those two football yeah. teams. And then the other two, I think, you know, potential upset bids. I think this is a great spot for Hugh Freeze and Auburn to go into Death Valley and make some noise. But what jumps out to you? What intrigues you the most, I guess you should say, at the halfway point of the SEC slate going into this weekend? Yeah, I think the uh, the Kentucky-Missouri uh, game is the one that kind of pops off, although, you know, it loses a little bit of its luster with both teams losing last week. But, um, again, I think it's a huge positioning game in the SEC East. Um, you know, I, I, in the preseason, really believed in, in Kentucky and, and uh, kind of have gone all in on them again. Uh, but it, this is a game that uh, they have to win. If they want to get to 10 wins, which I think is a, a plausible – uh, possibility they've got to find a way to to win this one at home um you know i thought that uh missouri's defense as i mentioned earlier certainly let them down um so it'll be interesting to see how kentucky attacks them lsu uh really chose to run the football at them a, a lot early and often they were the number one rush defense in in the conference heading in and, and uh lsu kind of had their way with them so I'm interested to see what Ray Davis can do against this defense if they're able to provide a little bit more resistance against Kentucky's run game. Chris, better chance at the upset. Auburn over LSU or Arkansas over Bama. Both these games are on the road for those respective opponents. I would say Auburn over LSU. I don't think Arkansas has a chance at all. Mm -hmm. With as bad as that offensive line is, I don't I don't I, I feel bad for KJ and, and Rocket this week trying to to do anything. Um but I, I do think with LSU, uh, it's going to be a, a fun matchup between a pretty good Auburn defense and an LSU offense that's been unstoppable. The question will be, you know, it's the other sides of the ball. Auburn's offense has been pretty bad, and, and, and LSU certainly has been forgettable. Uh, but as I mentioned, I, I do think they figured some things out on the defensive side. And, um, you know, I expect both of the favorites to win those games. But if I had to pick one, it would probably be, the Auburn uh, upset a little more likely than Arkansas winning against Bama. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry. Also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. 
Chris, appreciate you taking the time as always. Last thing before I get you out of here. Have you ever seen anything like what we saw in that Miami game on Saturday night? No, I, you know, it, 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 I heard this, and I don't know if it's true. You probably remember, but they said uh, Mario Cristobal had a similar instance occur in uh, Oregon where mm. he could have taken a knee, ran the ball, fumbled it, and lost the game. So you would have think that you would have thought that you'd have learned something from that, but just inexcusable. I feel bad for the players because mm. the, the the players deserve better. They deserve to have somebody that understands, you know, how to how to put you in the best position to win a football game. Obviously, that kid feels terrible, but it should never have been in his hands. And even after you fumble it, how do you let a receiver get behind three defenders with two seconds left in the game? I mean, that that in itself is inexcusable as well. Chris, last thing, as we enter the second half, again, it feels crazy to say that, the second half of this season, I, you know, I feel like, and I want you to speak on this as a former player, you know, these first six or seven games, it's about kind of getting your feet under you, figuring out who you are. This kind of feels like the point we start to see teams separate and, and, yeah. and you know, your upper tier, your lower tier, maybe some in the middle as well. But, you know, I, I think it's going to be fascinating to see if teams like a Tennessee, like a Texas A&M, South Carolina or Florida, Kentucky or Mizzou, as we learn more about these teams, you know, I, I feel like this is where you're going to really know about, okay, does that offensive scheme work? What are they doing defensively? Yeah. Like, who who is this coach? Was this the right hire I, you know, just speak on that. Again, I, I think we're going to really start to learn more as we continue to go again, especially being at the halfway point. Now the second half where some teams turn it on and, and some teams seem yeah. to fold. Yeah, I think it, it, this is where depth comes into play, right? I mean, you're in the middle of the grind, you're going through the SEC season, you're physically and mentally tired. you got some injuries. A lot of teams dealing with that right now. Mississippi State's really banged up. Ole Miss is banged up as well. Uh, so it's it's really um, uh, going to be a test for the, the longevity and the conditioning of, of these teams as they get into, um, you know, the second half of the season. But I, I think you're right. I mean, I think we're already seeing a little of that separation. Uh, it, it seems inevitable that we're going to have Alabama and Georgia meeting again in Atlanta that first weekend of December. But, um, you know, can, can those two teams stay healthy? Can they can they um, you know, run uh, the rest of the way un, unbeaten? Um, you know, Georgia, it's kind of ironic here. We're not even to the, the second week of October yet. We only have one undefeated team. And I think that speaks to the parity in this conference and parity nationally. But um, if anything, it, it, we've learned so far is that it's a very even uh, kind of conference this year. And so I expect to see um, some, some crazy upsets as we uh, finish out the rest of the way. Chris Doring of SEC Network joins us every Monday and does a fantastic job. Chris, appreciate you taking the time, and best of luck to the Gators this weekend. Not too much. It'll be a lot of fun chatting with you about it on Monday next week. Yeah, sounds good, man. Have a great week. Yeah, man, you too. We'll talk soon.
I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.